go ahead and get started. Uh, hello, this is uh, Peter and Jessica with uh, Drinks with Shrinks. Yes. I have pumpkin spice latte. I am in heaven right now. Um, what about you? Okay, so get this. Chider. It's a chai with mm. cider, hot cider with oat milk. It tastes like an apple crisp. That sounds awesome. Actually, it's actually really good. <laughs> that sounds really good. It was hit or miss. I was yeah. like, but I'm gonna chance it. Sensational. Yeah, we've got some really good stuff in New England, like cider and yeah. donuts, and oh my gosh, like when I go down south, even, and um, the donuts, they're okay, you know, I, except for Krispy Kreme. That, that's amazing, but um, that's a good one. we've got some really good sugar up here and maple. And, <laughs> oh, it's okay. So today, gosh, we actually um, it corresponds with the timing here because we don't have a we don't have a lot a lot of time. You and I were talking because we we're in business, the same business, so of course we have. But um, I actually kind of like this because we're going to be talking about how to repair quickly because uh, okay. a lot of people think repair takes months and months and months. And so we have some good news for you. Um, we actually think and one of the things that Jessica and I uh, see is the reason why most couples um, are in the mess that they're in is because they didn't repair quick enough. In fact, they waited way too long. And so we want to talk about the need for speed and that need for being quick is repair recovery. So why don't we talk about that? I mean, what, what are some of the things that you, what, why, why is this important and why is it important to be quick about repair? Well, I think quick is important because the moment you let things linger, they come up with a vengeance and it, it actually creates more hurt because I often will hear, I don't know if you hear this from people, but they must not care about me. So then people start building all these narratives around, you know, my person doesn't care how I'm feeling, or they don't think they have any accountability in this. And it just, it builds into something so beyond what the initial conflict was about. Hmm. I don't know. Is that what you kind of see or what do you see happening? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it's, it's, I like what you said, like they don't even know what the conflict is really about. Um, and so they stay in the reactive place rather than the reflective place, you know, and they're just, they keep reacting um, rather than reflecting on what that person is, is, is saying. I mean, I, I think what often happens in this is the brain will, the minute it shuts out curiosity and no longer wants to engage in that other person. And even your attention will change because when you're in a place where you're not curious, say for example, and you're already thinking that this person hurt you because of A, B, or C, the things you pay attention to will be radically different. You will often be paying paying attention to your phone or the kids or church even, but not necessarily your partner because of the way you felt. And then you'll encode that. You'll see that they're not talking about it or you're not talking about it. And then you'll store that as if we're not a very good couple. And then when he or she then brings something up, you'll retrieve it as if it wasn't good. And then what are you paying attention to even in that moment? So it's like, it is kind of amazing, like, you know, just how this even affects our, our brains and what we attune to. Um, if it just recycles that hurt over and over again, I just wanted to add to that. So yeah, I would, I would agree. No, and I love curiosity because that's actually something that comes up a lot because I think where I see couples get really stuck is either, so two big ones, I see fact finding. So it almost feels like they're putting each other on trial. What and, is it? What, what did you oh, say? Fact finding. 
Oh, fact finding. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Yes, not five times fast. Woo. Um, but yeah, so they, I, they're looking almost for evidence. Like I have to prove to you why I'm feeling a certain way, or it almost feels like an interrogation. And I think to your point, that really diminishes that sense of curiosity. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm interested and I want to hear what you have to say. And so it, it, it gets in the way of that. And also um, right versus wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's another trap I see a lot where when we're in conflict, it's about, no, I'm right. You have to understand why, mm-hmm. you know, I got here and don't you see, like they'll start mm-hmm. to persuade and it, it mm-hmm. automatically paints anything that could be potentially different as wrong. Right. And I think that's a really dangerous trap too, that people can sometimes fall into. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I like what you said about fact was a fact finding. It is a hard, <laughs> so I'm just saying <laughs> and the F word just came up. It's like, what did you say? What did you say? <laughs> right. So no, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. Fact finding will often correspond with right or wrong thinking. I mean, that is kind of where we go immediately is when I'm in an argument with you, it must be because there's an element of ethics and that's where we have to slow down a lot. And this is where we just believe that we're experts to our own opinion, you know, but um, I know whenever I see myself, like even arguing with my, not that my wife and I, we don't really like, we, we, when we argue, it's different. It's just like, I know that something's off, for example, Mm -hmm. like there's something off and, you know, I wonder if a lot of our couples, you know, they struck, they, they have the same kind of thing. It's like, there's something, yeah, we're not, we're not, it's like the dances we're misaligned. And so why is that? Well, it must be because she's just assuming this, this, and this. My brain immediately goes there. It's not how have I made this, you know, you know, how have, how have I contributed to the misalignment? It's often self-defense. That's where defensiveness comes in. And it's so quick. Good Lord. It's so fast. It's just, bam. And then we get on that train and then she confirms my original belief. And then that then tells me, see how right I am. You know, exactly. and I stay there. I'll stay there for you. Know, and that's so the need for repair is to kind of break that assumption and say, hey, why is there, you know, why are we out of line here? I wonder what happened. Exactly. Anyway, so I, I mean, what do you like? Sue Johnson talks a lot about the, the cycle that couples are in. Like we just get in this really bad cycle. We just feed each other's prejudice or bias. Mm-hmm. Right. And so anyway. No, I love Sue Johnson. Dr. Sue Johnson. I love, I love her work. Actually, Hold Me Tight is a really great book that I recommend to couples a lot. Mm. Like it has some really great, um, they call it play and practice exercises in there. And it's just a different kind of lens to look at conflict through. Um, so that's, if anyone's looking for a read, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess when, when conflict in this way, if, if, if we're trying to help couples to repair more quickly, are there any, are there any tools or strategies that you feel like you lean into a lot with couples at all? Is there anything that you see as particularly helpful? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, if they could just scream at each other really fast, um, that they'll, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. No, no. I, 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 yeah. Usually. Well, okay. Pair quickly, like really fast. You mean like how to do it? Cause yeah, the, the, we should probably talk about the need for speed. Why, why, you know, why is that a need? You know, why is it so important? Um, 
So uh, I would be curious about your your response on that. Why do you feel like it's so important? But let me answer. Yeah, for for um, the things that helped me on getting them to be quick would be uh, trying to get them to understand their own subjective needs prior to understanding their partner's subjective needs. And if I could slow, if I could slow, you have to like slow yourself down before you make yourself fast. So I guess I should say with that yeah. before you can be fast, you have to slow down. Well, where's the slowing down? Well, the slowing down is, is not, I say that more as like an assumption rather than something that you have to do yeah. because most, most of the time we are, we don't know what our needs are. So if I can back up, I, I think the most important thing is that they have to communicate what their needs are as soon as possible yeah. and not leave that out. And the better they do that, there's going to be already much clearer communication so that you can kind of know what, where you stand. And that's how you immediately repair because then there's, there's no longer assumption. There's no longer mind breeding. There's like, Oh, okay. That's what you need. Bam. All right. Now we could totally disagree, Yeah. but at least I know what's up. So the, the need for speed is the speed is like, know what your needs are, but the most, the assumption is I'm assuming that it's going to take a while for you to get there. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I really want you just to focus on that. Just focus on that. And usually we'll do the whole session and then we finally know what that is. Like one client was like simplicity, you know, that's great. Okay. Wow. That's, a, that's, a, and you could see like, just yeah. breathe. All right. Immediately communicate that with your heart, with your wife. ASAP. So <laughs> anyway, um, what are your thoughts? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, that's, I, I, I just kind of took with that, but I would love to hear yeah. your definition and, you know, why is it important for you? Yeah, no, I love everything you said. And I think to your question earlier, why I think it's so important is because kind of a little bit of echoing a little bit of what I said before, but it's that idea too. When, so when we're not resolving something and they're kind of lingering, I also think what ends up happening too is it can erode trust in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Because then I think people start to question, are you there for me? Do you really have my back? You know, if you're not willing to hear me or even try to understand where I'm coming from, then you must, n- I can- maybe I can't depend on you. And so that wound, I think, then becomes deeper and deeper. And sometimes I see couples starting to assume the negative. So we stop giving each other the benefit of the doubt. Something neutral kind of gets filtered in as either critical or just negative. And so, you know, I love what you were saying about kind of reflecting and and looking inward and trying to understand and connect to yourself. Because I do think that's a super important step because you need to, I think too, where I see couples get into some difficulties, they'll start describing the other person. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like, if we're going to try to present something that may be a complaint or something that was hurtful or something that we're struggling with, how do we describe yourself? So you definitely need to be able to connect to you. And also, instead of describing the other person, I try to talk about, well, there's the person and then there's the behavior. There's the person and then there's the situation. And I think that's really different because if you're describing your partner, then they're probably going to get defensive and feel criticized. And also, again, you're kind of feeding that negative narrative. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to say, you know, I felt upset 
when I heard you say, or when this happened, because then it's kind of inviting them in as your teammate. And I also think another thing, it's so little, but I think it has a big impact is in order to try to be curious and understand, you need to be present. And so Mm. I guess unplugging, you know, stopping kind of what you're doing and actually just stopping and looking at each other and that's like, so important that's like sleep the essential yeah it's like it's as essential as sleep right it's so little but it has such a big impact and right. I, and even just being present where if you're in that moment even if you're just too overwhelmed and you can't talk or you have 500 things or you have a work meeting you're about to go into just say that right just say hey i really want to talk about this with you i do care about this i have to do this right now can we come back or hey i think i need a few minutes can we come back and then come back, come back whenever you say you're going to come back. Yeah. Well, there are a few things here because I wanted to say, because it's so that that last part, if I can talk about that, because yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. It's like the struggle is what I often hear. Well, I told her, um, you know, I needed a few minutes and then she got mad at me. Oh. I'm like, well, okay, there's, there's something there's missing and then I'll meet with her or she's in the room and she's often like, well, yeah, I'm mad at you. I was like, well, what, what made you upset? Well, because he never came back. <laughs> and so, you know, and so that's the thing. And like, if you're going to say your boundary, yeah. you need to, re- you need to also repair the boundary because a boundary mm-hmm. is a rejection. You know, it, it, I think we often, I don't like, like how therapists just overuse that word. Like it's just like all the, because boundaries are rejections. We have to, we have to understand that. Like it is, you know, it's not, it is, it is my no. Mm -hmm. And so as a recipient of a rejection, going back to bids for connection, I do want to have some connection with you. So it's not about just me throwing all my boundaries away or, or all over the place. And just like, this is my boundary. It's also, this is my boundary and this is how I repair with you. And like, that is so important because I think a lot of people just want to throw all their boundaries and they're like, see, she doesn't do this or he's, he doesn't do this. Well, how have you repaired? How have you reconnected? Of course, they're going to be upset with you. Yes, because you haven't offered them an opportunity to repair. So it's not just about you stating your boundaries. It's also seeing that as a way to connect emotionally. This is where I think, again, you know, Sue Johnson does so well. It's like, because if that emotion connection piece isn't there, I, your repair is going to be overly organized mm-hmm. as another check off my list, or it's just going to be ignored. And then that's just going to leave me in a place of, is what you just said. So beautiful. Like he just doesn't care. She doesn't care. And then we just kind of get stuck. And in a sense, you're right. And in a totally different sense, you're totally wrong. This is this, this is how we're, we kind of like feed our own biases. Like the behavior I see is, you know, it's, it, it gets like, I don't know if do you have couples I want to like that will come in and you almost like believe their narrative. It's like, yes, gosh, I see exactly if I thought that I, yeah, I would have no trust whatsoever. I don't know if you. <laughs> no, definitely. I, I know exactly right. what you mean. And it, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I love what you're saying about boundaries because that is, it adds a whole other layer to the conflict that mm. of feeling rejected. And so I, and, and what you're saying too, about that emotional connection. So oftentimes even just trying to even step back from the content, 
because that sometimes can create more reactivity. And just ask yourself, what's the emotion I'm hearing? What, what do I hear in my partner's voice in their body language? You know, what's that emotion maybe they're trying to convey? And not that you're a mind reader, ask, like, it sounds like you're really upset right now, or what's coming up for you right now, whatever it is. And connect to the emotion, because that's the part that needs, I think, sometimes the healing. Yeah. And and with the boundary you're saying, because you're right, like boundaries can be a rejection. And so it, I think it comes from, I think it comes from Gottman. I'm trying to figure out where this piece comes from. But I think that idea of no and goes along. Mm. Like it's so simple, but to your point, you know, no, it's kind of like that slap down of, yeah. You know, but when you add an and to it, no, and it's saying, Hey, maybe I can't meet you here. And I understand that's important to you, but this is what I can do. And this yeah. is what I can do to support you in it. And it's, and I, I love that. Yeah. And I love it. You know, and even with the word rejection at first, I was like, there was a part of me that was like, Oh, but it's really not. But then I'm like, no, it is. Yeah. And then I want to ask, how do we get our clients and ourselves to be actually okay with a rejection? Mm, that's a great question. You know, like I do think there's something about the West, you know, and, and our thinking at times, like it gets very left brain and it's rejections always bad. And I think there's something about like Eastern, if I can get all spiritual here, like something about Eastern philosophy and like, you know, where's when it's tapped into the right brain, it sees, okay. As part of life. So you think of like the Buddhists, you know, their very first premise is life is suffering. That's, that's a, or even Christianity, it's like there is sin, you know, yeah. or, or even, so I, I bring up both of those religions because one's when you can be an atheist and still apply it with mindfulness and Buddhism. But they're, what they do really well is like, this is just the way life is. And I think that's actually very healthy. There's an element of like, that's so true, especially with addiction, where if I could just like, I just can admit that. So I guess I bring all that up, not to get too philosophical here, but no. it's okay. Like rejection is okay. It's a part of life. And if you have a part of you that has a really, really hard time with that, you may want to look into that, like, and try to challenge that a little bit. Because, you know, one of the, one of the things that I often will do with kids is get them to be okay with me beating them at Uno. And I can't tell you that how, how that will often be correlated to how well they do in their normal lives. Like, you know, if you can actually beat a kid at Uno consistently and then he gets to the point where he like shakes your hand and says, you know what, I tried really well and I did the best I can. And thank you. Thank you, Miss Jessica, for your time. <laughs> I almost guarantee you he is going to be doing that in his normal life because he's getting used to this as like not that's OK. So there's an element of spirituality, I think, here as well. Like it's OK if your partner, quote, rejects you because that's mm-hmm. she's limited and she's a human and she's you know, her limitations. Anyway, no, I feel like I talked too long in, in this podcast. I, <laughs> I, I love what you're saying though. And I think that's I'll let you talk the whole time. <laughs> so. um, no, I think that's so important though. It needs to be said too, because you're right. You know, we, we are these imperfect beings and there are going to be things that we fall short on or we can't do. And we have to learn also how to be at peace with them. Yeah. Sorry for talking so long. Um, you have to go. It's 1159. Okay. Oh, oh, my goodness. I didn't even see the time. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks, y'all, for listening. <laughs> Jessica's going to talk the whole time next time, so y'all remember that. <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> Actually, you you still talk. You, you still talk. I would say eight minutes. I was like, I was like, I think 
talked pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> pretty well. Pretty well. Okay. Well, goodbye, everyone, and we'll we'll see you in a few weeks. See ya.